Is it on? Okay, now it's on. Go back. Thank you, PPC, for Summer Night of Worship. Thank you, PPC, for the soup kitchen. All right. Thank you, PPC, for the book study groups. Thank you, PPC, for women's retreats. All right. Thank you, PPC, for Women Enjoy Bible Study. Thank you, PPC, for Vacation Bible School. Thank you, PPC, for the Youth Pit Room. So we definitely have a lot to be thankful for. So thank you for your support with all of these ministries. And at this time, I would like to invite the children in first through sixth grade to join me for Sunday school. Today is Communion Sunday, so as usual, we, the children and I will come back for that. If your child doesn't take communion yet, that's fine. They will just receive a blessing from one of the pastors. So you'll see us come back again. Following worship, you'll be able to pick up your children in room 407. So I have a new book that I'd like to share with you today. It's called Jesus Showed Us, and it's just a really beautiful book that displays different ways that Jesus reveals himself to us. What is God like? Jesus showed us. Jesus showed us that God cares. God cares about people when life is hard. God cares when people are poor or hungry, sad or tired. God cares about people who become sick or get hurt. God cares about people whose hearts are broken. Jesus showed us. Jesus showed us that God loves to heal people. Jesus healed a man whose eyes were blind. Jesus healed a woman whose back was crooked. Jesus healed people who couldn't walk. Jesus showed us that God didn't make them sick or blind or crooked or crippled. No, God loved them all and cared about their problems. Jesus showed us one day God's love will make everyone well. No more problems, no more tears. So we pray, Lord Jesus, please come quickly. Lots of people need your help. Amen. I want to thank Len. Actually, I should call him Reverend Len now. Uh, Reverend Len and his love choir for doing a great job. These guys just, you all get better all the time, so we're going to do a concert night, I think, just with you all. I'd pay a lot of money to come hear that. 
A few moments ago, you saw a series of six slides. We're going to do that all month, actually, and, and uh, today was a warm-up. You know, I want you to get into it as we get going through the weeks. Uh, each week, we're going to highlight six different ministries that are happening here at PPC um, to try to cover the full breadth of who we are and what we're about in the neighborhood and in the community, and it was great to hear folks clap. So since today was like a practice round, next week, just rock the place, okay? Uh, just, and we really just, we want to say thank you. Just thank you, PPC, for making all this happen. One of the fascinating things about nonprofit organizations is that we don't have a tax base, right? We don't have the ability to pass a resolution or a proposition to increase our tax base. We don't have businesses that support our tax base. The fascinating thing about financing ministry in 2018, almost 2019, is that we all do that and other people that aren't in this room do that. So I wanted to say on behalf of the session and the whole leadership crew, thank you very much uh, for making not just today that you saw, but over the next few weeks also through the whole month of November, we're going to be doing this as well. We, we want to say thank you. And we want to ask you to help us keep it going. So inside of your worship folder, there is a pledge card. For the next six weeks, you can be praying about this, thinking about this. How would you uh, like to pledge to help us keep the ministries here going? And beginning next week, even, there will be a, uh, a box in the porch area outside. It'll be wrapped up nice and pretty. And you can put your pledge card in there over the course of the next six weeks. You could also even drop it off in the office if you want. So please uh, join us in that endeavor. We would be grateful. Also wanted to let you know that, uh, that your session has been hard at work in a variety of capacities. Most recently, they uh, established a job description, position description for a student minister uh, who will work with students, and there's a search committee, actually, that's been approved, and they meet today for the first time, so put them on your prayer list and uh, pray for them day and night, day and night, day and night, okay? Would you do that for us? We would, in fact, be grateful. Okay, we're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 8, and I'd like, if you have your Bible with you, to turn there in Luke, chapter 8, beginning at verse 40. Very soon here, by the end of the morning, Jesus is going to be 4 and O. Oh. He's going to be 4 and 0. Oh. And 4 and 0 oh doesn't come easy to be 4 wins, no losses. The Dodgers have taught us that over the last two years. 4 and 0 oh is not an easy feat, but in a remarkably short period of time, Jesus is going to be 4 and 0. Oh. Two weeks ago, Jesus calmed a storm. Let that sink in. Last week, Jesus sails to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, lands on Gentile territory, and he heals a foreigner who's a pig farmer. Now, you've got to remember that Jews don't eat anything related to swine. Right? So this was, a, this was really stepping out for Jesus. Now, today, he's going to sail back into Jewish territory, and there will be two more healings. That's where we pick up the story. As I was thinking about the text this week, I had a, uh, I had a Martha Stewart moment that I want to share with you. This doesn't happen to me like, like ever. This is like my first Martha Stewart thing here. I, I read a quote uh, in one, LinkedIn or Twitter, which I 
troll through, scroll through every once in a while, and the quote went something like this, and I might have even used it in the past. When you stretch a brand new rubber band as far out as you can stretch it, it never stretches back to the same place. Have you ever heard that? Okay, so I read this, and I'm really excited about this, because I like this. For some reason, this captures my imagination. Does it capture yours? Just say yes. Thank you very much. But I decided before I get up there and make this declaration, proclamation, as if it's actually true, I better test it out. So I go into the office, I find a rubber band, and I cut it in half so I can measure it. I'm being Martha Stewart now. And I measured it before I stretched it, and it was seven inches and a six, seven and one sixteenth inch long. And I went like this, and I brought it back down, and I even had a witness in front of me. Barbara was there. She witnessed this science experiment. This is very serious science. And I put the, the ruler back down, and it, and it wasn't seven and one sixteenth inch anymore. It was seven and five eighths inches long now. I didn't hear that. Do I want to? Do I want to hear that? Now, the only variable to my really serious science experiment is I don't really know how new or old this rubber band truly is. Uh, anyway, the maxim seems to work. When you stretch a rubber band, it never goes back to the same place. I think faith might be like that. Because you know, when we start with faith, it's small. It's just me and Jesus. I had this profound encounter with the God that becomes a human being in Jesus Christ and His death, His resurrection, His ascension. It, it impacts my life in such a significant way. It's just me and Jesus. That's the start. But as we walk through life in faith with Christ, we encounter different people, strange lands, different perspectives, ways in which faith that only began with me and Jesus is stretched. And when we let go of that stretching experience, we don't go back to the exact same place we were before. We've been enlarged. A little bit, but still significantly, a significant amount. And I think that may be what's happening in our story today. Because this story today is, is really not about Jesus being a traveling Las Vegas healing show. That's not what this story is about. This isn't, you know, Jesus is coming to town, get your ticket, um, and check it out. Some people are going to be just voyeurs in the experience. Others will be folks that their lives are dramatically impacted. No, that's not what these stories bundled together are about. Healing a storm, calming a storm, healing a possessed person, and now are too. A woman who has been bleeding for 12 years and a 12-year-old girl who's died, Jesus will raise from the dead. 4-0 in three weeks. What I find fascinating about the lineup of these progression of these stories is that faith stretches all of us from where we first started. 
It expands our ideology. It expands our belief system. It expands the canopy upon which God is actually at work in the world. And it's bigger than what I initially may have thought. So our story picks up. Here we go. You ready? Now when Jesus returned, so he was on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, he returns back to the west side of the Sea of Galilee, which is more Jewish territory. So he went to Roman-occupied territory last week, heals a pig farmer, a legion, by the way, could have up to 6,000 troops in his care. So Jesus could have driven up to 6,000 spirits out of this man. And they ran over the cliff. And they didn't like it when that hurt their pocketbook. And they said, you know, I think it'd be better because you're wrecking our economy and my portfolio really shrank really fast within like two minutes. If you would just kindly please leave. So he does. He goes back to his people where it's safe. So when he returns, a crowd welcomes him for they were all expecting him because he's coming back to his tribe. And then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, she was there dying. Now Jairus was, uh, as tradition tells us, he was in charge of the grounds of the campus, and he was also the one that was charged with scheduling who would read the Scripture and who would preach the Scriptures each week. So he was, he was kind of a big deal. And Jairus' daughter is very sick. She's about to die, so he sends word to Jesus, please come and see my daughter. So Jesus sets out and he goes on his way. And I love this phrase, the crowds almost crushed him. So we're going to start with Jairus, and now we're going to segue into a different story, and we're going to finish with Jairus. It's going to be a, we talked about a Mark sandwich, this is a Luke sandwich. Okay? The crowds almost crush him. They want to see what he's going to do. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. But no one could heal her. She'd been to every doctor she could go, which is kind of funny because Luke was a doctor. So I kind of find the humor in that. She spent all her money. She had spent all of her livelihood. She'd been to Mayo Clinic, for goodness sakes. No one could figure out what was wrong with this woman. Why was she bleeding for 12 years? And you got to dig a little bit deeper because in Jewish law, you are unclean. You are now an untouchable. You live outside of town because if you come into contact with anyone and you touch them or they touch you, they're then untouchable. This is a powerful story. This woman has been ostracized from her family, from her community. She can't even live at home anymore. She's outside in the outskirts of town. Not only that, she cannot go to worship. She can't be in here because she's going to break the clean and unclean laws. That's all that is embedded in these amazing words. She was in trouble. And so she came up behind him. Now, now imagine this. 
She breaks all the laws by coming out in public. She's been hiding. She's literally been hiding. And I can see the procession of people walking by. And she's in the, in the, in the corner hiding. Should I go? Should I not go? Should I stay here? What should I do? It's been 12 years. Nobody can heal me. Mayo Clinic can't figure it out. And in faith, she steps out and she runs up to Jesus and she just touches his cloak and I can see her go back and back into hiding. You see it? The drama? The faith? The fear? The panic? This woman wants to just be recognized for who she is again. To be called by name, like last week. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. The text says. And I love, I love Jesus again. Check this out. Who touched me? Who touched me, Jesus asked. And then they all deny it. Hey, it wasn't me, man. I, I didn't touch you. And by the way, look at all these people around here. You're, you're getting bumped into right, left, and center. But it wasn't us. We wouldn't, we wouldn't touch you. The people are crowding. They're pressing against you. But Jesus says, no, somebody touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Who touched me? I want to know. Then the woman, the woman in hiding, trembling, the text says, in total fear, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, she came trembling. You you can't do this. You can't come out of hiding when you're unclean and do this. This was a scary, bold step of faith. And she fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she touched him and how she had been healed instantly. Instantly. And then he said to her daughter, your faith Your faith has healed you. (laughs) Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Now we're going back to the story we started with. Your daughter's dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher to come anymore. I don't know about you, but... So, like, if I'm the dad of Jairus, and I started this story, and then Jesus gets detained because he's in a classic L.A. traffic jam, and he... his daughter dies because Jesus can't get there fast enough, I don't know what your reaction is going to be, but I don't have one daughter. I have two daughters. I have three daughters. I have a granddaughter. And all my daughters bring their friends over who actually become daughters. I'm not not thinking that's a very just scenario. And yet that's exactly what happens in the story. Jairus' daughter dies because Jesus gets detained from this other deal. The traffic lights aren't working right. 
Hearing this, though, Jesus says to Jairus, No temas, cree solamente. Don't be afraid. Just believe, and she will be healed. Don't be afraid. Just believe. She'll be healed. And so when he arrives at the house of Jairus, he didn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James. These three are going to come up a couple more times, once in the transfiguration and once post-resurrection. And the child's father and mother were allowed in. Meanwhile, all the people were waiting, and they were all ready and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but she's asleep. They laughed at him. (laughs) They scoffed. They threw stones, metaphorical stones. But he took her by the hand. And he said, my child, get up. Get up. Her spirit returns. Nefesh Elohim. And at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her Take her to McDonald's. Give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished. And classically, he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. What I find fascinating about this story is it's the faith of the people that initiate the action of transformation. The healing doesn't initiate the faith. The faith initiates the healing, which initiates a transformed life. That's why it's really possible that faith isn't a one-time event. Faith is a lifelong process of stretching, covering new people, covering new ground, covering new territory. And when it springs back, we're not back in the same place. Could that be possible? Couldn't that be the great joy of the way faith transforms our lives throughout the duration of the life cycle? One of the challenges I think the church has in the United States today is we make everything an event. I had that event back when I was 18 years old. Yeah, I have faith. It happened when I was 18 years old. Mm. When I read texts like this, I sure hope my faith is a lot different now that I'm 50 (laughs) years old and not 18. But you know, the struggle for all of us as human beings is we have that faith event and we want to tabernacle and make it, make it, this is it. Now everything is seen through this only single, solitary, primary lens. And we kind of get ourselves into trouble because 
If we're not allowing faith to stretch and go to new places, we're going to join the people that laugh and mock the new. That's a dangerous place to be. Because remember, these are Jesus' people together. So a couple of thoughts on Communion Sunday. Worthy curiosities, I'll call them. (laughs) And you may add your own. What I find interesting uh, about this story and others is the role that the crowd plays. There's, there's an interesting role here, the crowd, the masses, us, you know, a big, a big crowd. And what's fascinating to me is just because someone's in the crowd doesn't mean you have a faith that's on the move. Sometimes it takes folks from outside the crowd to teach us what it means to have a faith that's on the move. And more often than not, it's the deeper the pain, the greater the transformation, the more profound the celebration and worship that stretches us. If, if we allow folks to come and just touch his rope, So just because a person's in the crowd doesn't mean that there's this transformational faith. And I think a second worthy curiosity, and I don't have any answers for perhaps either of these other than to just let them hang there, is, is this, you know, the miracle doesn't produce faith. The miracle proceeds from faith. And when I really honestly, as a pastor person, stop and consider that, I'm I'm significantly humbled. Because I have to ask, how strong is my faith? That would create room for a stretching, miracle-like faith. So that I don't stay the same. So that I keep marching forward. As the rubber band of faith stretches us. Right? That's the challenge. And it's also the gospel for us today. Allow faith to stretch us so that the canopy becomes larger in the ways in which Jesus exhibits them all the way through the gospel story. Forgive us, God, when we tabernacle faith to an event and chain it to that one moment because then we become stagnant. And a Christian life 
full of the love of God in Jesus Christ is never meant to stay the same. It's always meant to expand and grow into new territories that cover new people. Perhaps especially the outsider right in our midst. Because that's what this table's really all about. Let's pray. May our faith, God, stretched from being that of a simple voyeur in a crowd to a transformational moment in life that becomes a transformational process that stretches us all through life. May we understand what we can feebly understand and marvel in awe, marvel in awe at the rest. Stretch our faith this day. Because that's the way Jesus rolled. In your name we pray. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite you to continue to stretch your faith with me as we participate in the Lord's Supper this morning. Remember, although this is a small table, perhaps it represents a bigger table. The table, not only of the PCUSA, the Presbyterian Church of the United States of America, but also the table of Christ's church throughout the world. So as you participate of this table this morning, you are joining in faith and by faith with all your brothers and sisters yeah. across all the world. So, stretching the rubber band, right? Stretch it around. <laughs> yeah. So, before Jesus Christ was betrayed, the, ni the night before, he took the bread. He, he gave thanks for that. He gave thanks for that and broke it. And said, this is my body. This is 